Earlier this week, Maurice Cole joined Chas Smith and I for an episode of The Grit. You know, they never they never grew up like we did in surfing with the drug culture, you know. All our kids that, that you know, like I've got kids and grandkids now, they've seen it and experienced it, you know. And it actually, actually armed them for when crystal meth came along, you know. And uh, yeah. you know, I, there was quite a few interests in Tilku. The first few crystal meth dealers, the, the ice dealers that came to town, were asked really nicely to leave. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. The Grit is available in your podcast app and on surfsplendorpodcast.com. That's episode number 35. Go get it. Quick reminder before we get into today's show that Cosmic Ray Surfboards donated a six foot nine single fin speed whistle. We'll be giving it away on March 1st. We do this as a thank you to listeners who support the podcast. The podcast will always remain free to listen, but you're welcome to donate through surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate. Any amount entitles you to one entry in this giveaway. Some people have recurring monthly donations set up for $5 or more. That goes a long way towards making this all happen. So thank you for that. Thanks to Cosmic Ray Surfboards. Much appreciated. There are seminal moments in surf films that inspire design trends. Craig Anderson's Hypto Crypto at Can Dewey, John John making the finals uh, on the same exact surfboard everywhere from lowers through Europe and to pipeline. Obviously, Simon Anderson's Thruster at Bells, Maurice Cole's Reverse V for Tom Curran. Making any sort of claim like that in advance is probably a hex, but I get the suspicion that Torn Martin's footage from Jay Bay riding his 7'9 channel bottom twin fin might be such a moment. Those flashpoints happen when board design is partnered with an open-minded surfer who unlocks new lines on a wave. We've all seen Jay Bay surfed thousands of times before on dozens of different types of surfboards, but something about Torrin surfing feels fresh. We always hear that J-Bay is easy to surf, but hard to surf really well. It's really the pacing of the wave that presents the challenge. Surfers get overhyped on the endless wall. There's tremendous speed available at times, and then slow, soft shoulders, often on the same exact wave. So making sections, harnessing that speed, and then using it to link maneuvers is the goal. And a surfer's ability to do it often relates to the board that they're riding. This is where Torin, on a Simon Jones-shaped Morning of the Earth surfboard, offers his refreshing perspective. His surfing is never off pace. On takeoff, he'll stand tall, nearly parallel, and almost motionless, a posture that conjures Duke headed towards the beach at Waikiki. Torin's stance is narrow, and he'll adjust his feet to a diagonal position, at times with his front foot on the left side of the stringer and his back foot on the right side. He crouches, does a rail grab bottom turn, and then projects down the line. The board never defers speed, and the seven feet and nine inches of rail line seem to be the precise, perfect measurement to arc through turns at head-high J-Bay. From high lines to down carves, every open face adjustment seems like it's designed just to set up a bottom turn. 
Sometimes he's facing directly at the beach when he's doing those bottom turns. Other times he's facing down the line. But the bottom turn is always where the maximum amount of force is applied. It's where the speed is stored. It sets the tempo. It is the baseline of the track. Torin at J-Bay on his 7.9 is also kind of the spiritual through line of this 40-minute film, Thank You, Mother, directed by Ishka Folkwell. The premise finds its inspiration in Albie Falzon's seminal film, Morning of the Earth. Albie has a longtime relationship with shaper Simon Jones, and Simon builds boards for Torin. The three surfers partner in this film, and Ishka crafts an abstract narrative which highlights that both life design and board design is at its fullest expression when simplicity is employed. Torin does the surfing, Simon shapes the boards, and Albie provides the spoken words. Nick Bampton's score is also worth noting, or better yet, it's worth praising. Surfing thoughtfully edited to an appropriate music track has always been one of my secret pleasures. The spit releasing someone at the exact sting of the music has always heightened the viewing experience. But in Thank You, Mother, we're gifted with an even more thoughtfully curated experience. Musician Nick Bampton scored the film with note-perfect audio aesthetic that perfectly embodies the surfing and cinematography. I was lucky to catch Torn Martin and Ishka Folkwell while they toured their film on the West Coast. They're headed to Florida now, and they'll be screening the film on Friday the 15th at the Florida Surf Film Festival, and then the following day in New York City at the Union Pool. The New York tickets are available through Pilgrim Surf Supply, and then the film itself will be available online in the coming weeks. We recorded this conversation outside, so there's some ambient noise. I apologize about that. The first voice that you hear is Ishka's, and then the second one that comes in around the 10-minute mark is Torin. So without further ado, my name is David Scales. Here's my conversation with Torin Martin and Ishka Folkwell. Thanks to Need Essentials for making this conversation happen. Enjoy. Um, had to turn people away unfortunately but yeah it was cool I think I had about 400 people there and everyone was you know hooting and really stoked to be there so yeah we were was surprised but yeah really stoked was the turnout similar when you were touring in Australia and were you expecting that uh in Australia I guess the Byron Bay one you know our hometown was pretty similar we did two screenings I think I think they, what did they say, like 260 or something? So we did two sold out shows there. Um, but every, every venue was very different. We did a, a few community halls, like a surf shop, a couple cinemas. So, but it was received, you know, well at, at each one. But yeah, it varied a lot from venue to venue. Awesome. I'm glad to see it supported so well last night. Um, how important is it for you to? screen it on a big screen for the audience as opposed to them watching it on their computer or worse their phone oh yeah yeah it's super important to us yeah i mean a good friend of ours nick bampton did did the whole soundtrack and we think that's you know one of the strongest parts of the film is the soundtrack so having good sound is really important to us and then yeah obviously on the big screen it's sort of you sort of immersed in it a lot more it's you know, you're not getting distracted by 
everything around you. You sort of you're there to see the film, and you know I feel like on 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 the web it's it's easy to sort of you know you're trying to kill five minutes and then you sort of just skip through or not paying attention. So even yeah. in that five minutes, you're kind of looking at your phone off yeah. to the side, oftentimes. Yeah. So what uh, what'd you shoot it on? I shot it on a Panasonic GH5. It's just like a little mirrorless camera, um, but yeah, it's for you know for its price range, it, it's pretty pretty powerful little camera. What's your filmmaking background? Um, basically, got into it more or less with Tyrone. I, I sort of started taking photos, traveling, I guess, and then was taking photos of friends and everyone surfing and then you know the demand for film I guess was a lot higher than than stills so started that way and then you know got to do a couple little trips that were paid for to film and edit and yeah I mean yeah I guess Torrin and I have sort of like been in it from the start together and ever since we've sort of just been working together but um yeah I did a couple of years studying a few years ago which which helped a lot and studying filmmaking yeah okay. yeah um yeah it's but it's sort of just evolved naturally i guess you know over the last four or five years i guess what was the premise for this project well originally we had a totally different sort of spin on on what we wanted from it it was going to be more of a black and white like I mean, not, not a literal black and white, but um, like more of a documentary where it was going to be a bunch of interviews explaining the relationship between Torrin and Simon Jones, his shaper, and also Albert Falzen, who made Morning of the Earth, um, and basically talk about the relationship between the three of them, how Torrin came to ride Simon's boards and how it influenced him and how the three of them had sort of influenced each other. Um, but when we got into the editing process, um, a good friend of ours, Ryan, who, who does Need Essentials, um, we showed him and we were sort of like umming and ahhing, like not really sure how he felt about it. And then he asked us a few questions like, you know, what, what do you guys want from the film? Like, what you know, what does it mean to you? What do you guys want to say? And we sort of took a step back and, you know, sat on that for a few days and then pretty much started from square one, just did a full re-edit. Um, and we ended up just using Albie's words. We, we didn't use Torrin or Simon's interviews in the film because Albie, he has a lot of profound sort of wisdom. And yeah, we just thought, we'd use that because you know we were so lucky to have him involved with the film and when Ryan asked you that question what was the answer that you came up with after those couple of days um I think for us like Simon and Albie are, are both role models in a way and we sort of you know we looked at their lives and what their sort of ideals are and I guess it came down to like simplicity appreciation for you know what you got not not you know what like our idea of success was or like sort of questioned that idea of success of is it is it money is it is it you know objects or is it simplicity and being happy with what you've got and you know leading a simple life so yeah to put it in into a sentence i guess simplicity
Yeah. Um, what are the realities of making a film, uh, like a surf film, in these kind of modern times? On one hand, you have certainly John John's view from a blue moon, which has a million dollar budget or more. And on the other hand, you've got guys who are just kind of shooting stuff, working a day job, going and shooting for free on their own time and dime, and then just putting it out on the internet for free. Yep. Um, where does this land on that spectrum? How is it financed? Does anyone end up making money off of it? Or do you just use it as an advertisement to kind of build your profile? Um, yeah, I mean, this one, this is, it's all like we've, we've learned a lot from, you know, the whole process with this film. Because in the past, it, it has always been, you know, backed by, you know, whoever and basically used, you know, as promotion. Like, might get paid a fee for you know filming and editing and then you know that sort of end of it gets released for free and people see it but um with this one yeah we were lucky enough to have need essentials you know back it and not only that but let us sort of reap the benefits i guess in a way so we're not going to release this one for free as a web clip we we also feel like that can give it a feeling of you know disposability I guess and we want people that are watching it to you know be wanting to watch it and sort of invest a bit of time and appreciate it um, but yeah so we're gonna we'll probably release it you know on online platforms like iTunes and Vimeo on demand but we've also got physical physical copies on USBs that come with a little book that, that we'll release once we've, you know, finished touring it. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is, it's all very new for us. This, this is the first time, so we're sort of learning as we go. So how does that conversation with Need start? Do you approach them and say, we want to actually now make a film and they give you a budget? Or is it just that Torn is being supported by Need and you collect a bunch of footage and then present it to them as a project? Um, how, how did it start, basically? I mean, Ryan's been really supportive. Exactly. Raise your voice if you don't mind. Ryan's been really supportive of both Ishka and I um, in a really creative sort of way that we've had the, a lot of the creative freedom. So he's given us guidance along the way um, in terms of the direction we're going, but also it's just been, I mean, we've... I guess we had like an idea of what we wanted to do with the film um, and the trip originally stemmed from basically wanting to surf J-Bay um, being you know one of the most incredible waves right hand points out there and we'd Simon had shaped a few boards and, and Simon hadn't left the country in over 20 years so um, it was quite special to, to do a trip with him and and his son Dash came to, and he hadn't had a passport before, so it was. Um, I don't know. We're quite close friends with Simon and Albie, and it's you know to have that experience to go away with Simon on a, on a trip like that. I mean, that's where it all started, and it, it sort of led to to the connection between Albie um, and meeting him, and I think it all. You know, we wanted to go to South Africa and surf that wave, and then it sort of led down this like beautiful sort of trail and um, spending you know a lot more time with Simon and Albie and, and one thing led to another so it, it uh yeah the, the film itself it sort of I don't know made it made its own path in a way um, uh, is it all shot in South Africa 
And is it all shot at J-Bay? Yeah, the film, the majority of the film is shot in South Africa um, at Desert Point, uh, as well as Desert Point. Um, the footage in South Africa is right in four different boards over sort of three weeks or so, and, and three or four different swells. And then a little bit of Desert Point, it's sort of, I guess, a bit of a, a bonus section that we've, we've put at the end. Um, With a different board? Right, in a different board, yeah. So it's, I mean, the, the message, like Albie, uh, like Ishka said, of Albie's words throughout the film, they really sort of, they're the, they're the backbone of it. His words are quite profound, um, as well as his outlook and, on life. And we'd originally, like Ishka mentioned, began to tell the, the story of the connection between Albie and, and Simon and Simon and I in a much more literal sense. And it sort of went, we, we'd spend some time with Albie down at his place in Crescent Head and, and his words were just so profound and resonated with us um, as he sort of reflected on the life that he's, he's lived and, you know, what's important to him. And, um, you know, those words of his we thought were, you know, really important to share um, and, and to share his message, you know, it was quite special. I haven't seen or heard from Albie in a, quite a long time. Maybe he's more um, accessible in Australia and promoted in their media, but why do you think he wanted to work with you guys? Well, basically, Simon Jones, who he shapes Morning of the Earth surfboards, him and Albie have a close relationship, so obviously he had to approach Albie to sort of carry on that name, Morning of the Earth, through his surfboards, and that's yeah, that's you know they've been friends for years, and and we we hadn't met Albie prior, but you know it was through Simon who he introduced us, and I think you know if it wasn't for him, most likely he he you know he may he may not have been open to the idea. Yeah. Um, but you know we went down to his house. And yeah, basically just set up the cameras and had a conversation with him. And yeah, that's like, you know, the narration that's through the film, it, it's so it's so profound in a way that you would, uh, some people might think it's scripted, but mm. it's literally just sitting down, having a conversation, and he just rattles off these like sentences and you're like, whoa, <laughs> where'd right. that come from? Yeah. Right. So yeah Simon was connected the dots there all those interviews the ones with Simon the ones with Torin will those ever get released um at this stage we don't have plans for them but we'll obviously hold on to them and yeah. I'm sure down the track you know they'll I'm sure they'll have their use yeah. um yeah there's a lot of good stuff you know we weren't we weren't bummed with the first edit no but of it course. just didn't have that same sort of soul that we feel this one has. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask Torin, um, tell me about those four boards that you're writing at J-Bay. We get deep into board discussion on the podcast, so don't f be afraid to <laughs> give me detail. <laughs> um, they're, they're unusual in the footage that I've seen. Yeah, so a bit around the same time, maybe a little earlier, I got introduced to this 7-9, this which um, at the time was all my boards were starting to get shorter and shorter and Simon had shaped a, a friend of his this 7-9 to take down to South South Australia and he di didn't end up riding it and 
it had sort of come back and I don't know I, I ended up getting my hands on it somehow and at that stage it was the most refreshing new feeling I'd, I'd ever felt in mm. surfing and it, it totally changed my perspective and I was just gravitated towards it and I, I couldn't you know I, I sort of couldn't write anything else um, and so we obviously took that over to over to South Africa and we, we had a, like a handful of boards you know but um, that one in particular was quite a lot different to anything that I'd written before so can you explain the design it's so the boards seven foot nine long um, it's a channel bottom rounded pin uh, twin fin it we haven't ever really I mean I haven't kept too much in the loop with the dimensions and um, like volume of my boards at all um, they've all sort of been based on feeling and um, and that sort of sense so I can't get too technical on the specs because I don't know them sure <laughs> but it that was the longest board that I took for sure um, it's in I've, assuming that's the one that I've seen in some of that footage for the previews um, your foot placement is unusual on it you know it's not perpendicular to the stringer and it's certainly not parallel but they're kind of and they're close together kind of like at a diagonal from the stringer yeah it's funny that I mean I don't really have two boards the same um, and they're from sort of five four to seven nine and, and each board that I ride I find I surf different differently and they attract a different sort of obviously different waves and um, a different sort of approach to those waves so yeah it's funny I look at it too and when Ishku and I look back at footage I notice that as well like we look back and go oh like how's my sort of stance there or the approach sort of took on that it's all um I mean I'm learning along the way and mm -hmm. it's exciting like a, I love riding a new board or something foreign you know and that feeling um, but yeah they they're all they're all quite unique in this this sense and so are waves you know there's not two waves the same so and that's not um you in regard to your foot placement you don't think about that when you're riding the wave no not so much i mean i definitely move around a lot more on the okay. the longer boards those yeah. mid lengths um i like to sort of move my weight around and i definitely prefer them on my forehand than my backhand um but yeah the foot placement thing it's funny-ish because a lot of that footage in South Africa or, or quite a bit of it was shot um, quite tight and I really enjoy watching a couple of things. I like watching the, the way my feet sort of move on the boards and also the way the water displaces off the boards. I find it really interesting. You can, you can sort of, every time we sort of look back at the footage or watch the film, I'll look at something different throughout, you know, like whether it's the feed or the boards or you know the water and it um yeah it intrigues me to uh, sort of yeah i i agree the super tight shots that actually don't even have your entire body and board in the frame are the most compelling probably yeah. especially slowed down just to be able to see all that stuff um i want to back up a little bit you popped into my awareness torin um probably two or three years ago and what was the breakthrough for you? Was that kind of when you personally felt that the world knew who you were, or did you grow up contest surfing and there was a following in Australia? What um, was there a breakthrough moment that you remember? I don't know if it was a breakthrough moment, but I, I definitely, 
different, uh, definitely um, over the past few years, uh, like being introduced to Simon and and his boards being quite different to what I was riding before, it, it gave me a new refreshing feeling, something that I hadn't felt in surfing before. Um, it, it sort of came at a time where I, I probably felt like I needed something, like I never wanted to be a pro surfer and you know early days you'd start off doing board riders and um, you know with your mates and, and you do the regional classics and the state things and you, you cruise around together and it's all um, you know, about friendship and, and hanging out and that's you know that, that's great and I sort of would spend quite a lot of time in Indo over the years okay. um, it was always a bit of a second home I, my mum and my grandma would always, for the past sort of 40, 30, 40 years, had done business over there and um, would go there to buy and, and take me along and it sort of felt like a home and it, it is quite close to Australia. So when I sort of left school, um, you know, we'd go there every year sort of growing up and when I left I'd, I'd save, save my pennies and go over there and hang for a couple of months and, um, you know, uh, I feel like... I like surfing good waves, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like everyone, you know. But it, it, spending time in good waves, and especially on um, boards that deserve good waves, where not so much thrashing around, I feel that I guess the most comfortable. Yeah. Um, so, and then that introdu- introduction to Simon's boards, yeah, it came at a stage where that was uh, sort of. I didn't, it wasn't really conscious that I was looking for something new, it just sort of happened and one thing sort of led to another and I think the board design um, and the, the path, the timeline that it's gone, like gone down, it's, you know, recently we've sort of, we did a little thing with Surfer Magazine, um, like a, a, a board clip, I think they called it Quivers, uh, and that really sort of laid it out in front of me literally like had all the boards laid out and and made me sort of see the whole timeline of it all and it was an interesting you know it was a it was a cool conversation to have and it made me sort of you know see it a a little clearer too yeah but i think that two or three years ago that i'm talking about i think it was the surf stitch series that you were doing was that your project ishka um maybe i think wasn't it like um a number of clips over the course of like three months or something. Oh, yeah, lost track. Yeah, so lost track. That was 2016. Okay. Um, Mishka and I spent three months driving around Australia. That's and, right. And we released uh, the journey in sort of by state or you know in chapters, and we did an overarching sort of feature-length film of the, of the journey, um, and that was yeah at the time that I was being supported by Surf Stitch. Right. So that yeah that fell into their lap but it was I mean that that trip itself was incredible I'd, it was I mean I did that trip with my mum and um, old man like earlier I think I was around seven or eight we'd spent a couple of years driving around Australia so it was um, I don't know it was pretty cool to relive it yeah you know, with Ishka and, and we went to a lot of the same places and, and saw some incredible waves and it was actually in Airlie Beach Broome um, which is like right up the top of north western Australia uh, that I learned how to surf. Oh, okay. Max and uh, we'd drag this old brother, six six brothers Nelson around 
for a year and a half on the roof and it was locked down by these rusty chains and really? we ended up having to get the WD-40 out and, and yeah, ended up busting it off the roof and surfed at Ellie Beach. That's I'm amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was special, so it was nice to get back there. I feel like since Tom Curran kind of ditched the tour and went on the search, you know, back in the 90s, um, we've had pro contest surfers and we've had pro free surfers, but even the most visible pro free surfers had stickers on their boards. Um, you don't, you know, so you're a professional free surfer traveling around the world. And I know Josh Kerr was talking about that recently too, like all the deals he does now. It's like, he's not going to put stickers on his board. He's going to rep yeah. the brand, but post their Instagram their tag them on Instagram and all that sort of stuff but um, how do the economics work for you what do the relationships look like with your the people that support you what do they expect of you so obviously you know Simon's boards are, I see them as pieces of art they're a beauty in themselves and it's yeah he doesn't put his logos and anything on them um, well he, he does have his um, for a few the morning of the earth but um, and the relationship that I have with Ryan and Need Essentials, um, the, the whole message is obviously about less branding, um, less consuming, sort of not putting, you know, put it in your face, um, which sits really well with me as well. I'm not a, I don't like you know, over consuming and, you know, blatant marketing and, yeah. Um, so I think. You know, in terms of that, it's yeah. I'm I'm not forced to do anything, and I don't. I would let myself um, be sort of forced to do anything. Um, so I'm really fortunate that I do have a relationship like that with with Need Essentials, and and they're really supportive of what we do. And, um, yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So what do they expect from you then, I guess, is is the question because it, it was very um, linear with other brands. It's like, hey, we will give you X number of dollars and this much whatever, and you give us this amount of exposure. Without the element of like the very overt branding, what do they expect? Uh, Basically, I mean, the conversation has been that 
know, Ryan is has become a, a, a close friend of ours, and um, him being supportive of both Ishka and I, and giving us a lot of creative control over what we do, um, surfing and, and filmmaking, and you know, there's no formal written contracts and, and all that jazz. It's basically, you know, keep sort of, you know, we'll, we'll come up with an idea of something to do, and he'll he'll back it. Yeah, it's not so formal, but it, sure. you know we're on a, a really similar wavelength. He's not Partnership. trying to push anything, so yeah, it's cool to be able to communicate on that sort of level and, and have that you know reciprocated. Yeah, I think we appreciate the same sort of message. But the interesting thing is that media is changing. So a magazine cover isn't doesn't mean as much to a brand as it once did. Um, I'm also wondering if an edit on the internet even means as much as it once did, you know? Yeah. So what is what is the currency nowadays? Uh, like, where do you question. guys find value? I feel like, I mean, for myself, if I walked into a shop, I, I walk in there sort of because I'm interested in something already. When someone tries to sell me something, I'll, I'm out of there. Like, I, I don't like being sold anything. So, and I think with you know the platform that social media and the internet has these days that people can see what they want to see you know it gives there's a lot of um, reach out there for a, a brand's perspective but also for a viewer or you know they they can filter out what they want and don't want um, I don't you know believe in just in your face advertising and people see through that a lot too if, yeah. if something is a good product then they'll you know interested sort of thing I'm not saying that we're, we're a good product but sure you, you attract um, uh, you, you, there's yeah the reach out there that if someone wants something they can they can find it yeah um, everybody's curating their own experience anyways yeah yeah I, I suppose so. it's interesting um, so if the vehicle is kind of social media do you have any um, actual outline for that do you have an objective do you try to get a clip up every week or every so often or uh, not, not at all okay um, <laughs> yeah no I definitely don't want to let, wouldn't let that sort of dictate you know what we do and how we do it um, the whole idea between you know and especially this film of ours was to you know create content that has longevity things these days you know just are so disposable um that you see it in in fashion and and web content and everything and i guess you know there is a place for it for the right people but for us um you know it's about creating something of quality that has a bit of heart and and can live on longer than a you know however long you know yeah so um and that's what's really been special about this this latest film is, a, you know, a good friend of ours did the soundtrack to it. Um, we obviously we made it together. Um, we've writing Simon's boards and Albie's wisdom. It, it, they're all qualities that sit really close to us and something that we don't just throw away. Yeah. So to be able to carry that and, and share it is you know quite special. Yeah, and I agree. I'm glad to hear that you guys are charging for it. I didn't know what the rollout was, but I'm glad to hear that you're charging for it because I do feel like if somebody pays for it, they will then watch it more than once and they will keep it around just because they paid for it. Even if they liked the film equally as one they got for free, 
they'll still watch yours a second time, you know. There's definitely a time and a place for, you know, web clips and, and things like that. Yeah, of for course. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to make a bit of heart as well. Um, what do you do other than surf? What are your hobbies? Do you have, hobbies. yeah. <laughs> um, or do you just surf? I don't really surf that much. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because I'm surfing less and less nowadays too and I feel guilty. Well, I'm content not surfing. Like, I like surfing good waves. And yeah, exactly. So does everyone, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, on the yeah on a scale, I guess I surf quite a bit. But, I, I'm you know, I, I can happily not surf for a week or two. And I always feel like something's a little out of whack and I'll get back in the ocean and be like, oh, yeah, like, that's, that was it. But... So what do you do with that downtime? Um, of late, I've, I've, in the last sort of six months, I've picked up the guitar, which has been something quite sort of been lingering there in the corner that I've, I've never really, um, you know, always been around and had friends that play and stuff. So that's, you know, been a, a little bit of a, dragged a bit of my attention towards that. And it's something, you know, I've definitely try and, you know, put more energy into doing that than spending on the computer or a phone or, mm-hmm. or stuff you know it's it's um yeah and I, you know when I'm at home um so, you know I am traveling quite a bit I, I like to spend time with my grandma she's uh always been a really had a close role in my life so um and she's getting getting on so it's yeah it's nice to spend time with her and yeah, and, and friends. And you said she and your mom had a business, have a business. What what business are they in? Um, so, well, my mom makes pearl jewelry. Oh, okay. And used to sell sort of secondhand clothes at markets and silk shawls and scarves. And my grandma had a has you know always had sort of fancy wear and secondhand clothes. And she used to have a shop in Lismore, which is a half an hour, forty five minutes out of Byron. And, you know, they're, they're both sort of had these little independent sort of little, little stores and, and, you know, make ends meet yeah. um, for them and, and created a life around doing that, which has been traveling, you know, and, and, um, and that sort of sense. So, cool. <laughs> yeah, they've, um, they've had a big role in my life. And, yeah. Well, the reason I asked what you do other than surf, maybe it's obvious, but um, is... I don't I feel like nobody knows anything about you you know like and like when I'm on Instagram and I see Slater or whoever I'm following and they're posting stories of their mundane everyday life that's actually more interesting to me as a fan and a viewer than seeing him at Pipeline or something yeah yeah it's nice to I guess get a a bit of a you know bit of character and and you get to know a a person a little deeper Um, it's relatable yeah, relatable, exactly. And we're all, you know, we're all on one level. Yeah. We're all the same people, you know, we share similar hobbies and stuff. So I, I see what you're saying. I think it's interesting that, um, yeah, I live just a normal life like you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like surfing and um, I used to paint quite a lot. I went through a stage of that. Um, but yeah, reading, playing guitar a little. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy my own sort of space and time. Like I can sit quite contently and you know do nothing yeah <laughs> and and be stoked i mean i don't i have a pretty small little space that i live in, in the caravan I, I don't have tv i don't really watch much tv at all and 
Um, no internet, phone signal really comes and goes with the wind, but um, yeah, I mean, we live in a really beautiful place, Byron Bay, um, obviously surrounded by beautiful beaches and waterholes and, you know, it's, it's a, yeah, a good area, you know, it's a nice clear mind and um, obviously growing up there, got a lot of close friends um, that I went to school with and it's nice to spend time with them too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all a balance with whatever you, uh, you're doing. Yeah. You know, and they do one thing so much that... What surf media do you follow nowadays? Where do you get all your surf info and information? Uh, don't really. I mean, you know, the magazines and, and stuff. Um, I don't really see myself as, I guess, much of a, a surf turkey. I'm not too in the loop with, um, you know, what's hot and what's not. Um, do you, you say the magazines. Which magazines? So and like, do you actually like subscribe? Surf- um, I'm not subscribed. I used to be sub- subscribed to Tracks Magazine and um, Surfer Magazine. Um, I wasn't subscribed to them, but they're, they're someone that I follow. Um, and obviously, you know, there's Surfer, White Horse, Tracks, Stab Magazine, um, Surfing Life, Surfing World. You know, they have all sort of bases covered in, in the surfing world, so you get your fix. Um, you know, through them, or at least you sort of kept in the loop with with what's happening. I think everything these days is, you know, especially those those massive swells that the the big wave guys are chasing around. That you know, someone will catch a wave 15 minutes ago, and it'll be live for everyone to see. You know, straight away, just about. So there's no real. I don't think anything's <laughs> anything's really going un, unshared these days. No, um, definitely not. Which is, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a different thing. Times are changing. So. Um, who's surfing? Are you really excited to watch nowadays? Is there anybody where if you're scrolling Instagram and their clip pops up, you'll always stop and watch? Um, Bryce Young's a surfer that the way that he rides all all kinds of boards. Um, he's one of the most talented surfers in my eyes. Um, obviously. Dave Rastovich and the, the way that he can surf just about anything um, and his whole approach is, is quite inspiring um, Brian Birch has got a really unique approach on his forehand especially, I, I really enjoy watching some clips of his um, I also get really blown away by uh, all the high performance surfing that's happening these days Like, really? I think the level of it is absolutely in- incredible, it's like so unrelatable to me to see the things that they're doing and the consistency and, and things that they do under pressure. I, I enjoy watching it. I think yeah. it's um, absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like watching good waves. I like watching, you know, people surfing in good waves and, and waves on their own. So, you know, if there's a, a contest or something on and it's at Chopu or, or Pipeline or somewhere, you know, and the waves are good. I really like to watch it. Um, yeah. Is there anybody? I know you're riding probably exclusively Simon's boards, but is there anybody's boards that you see that you'd be interested in kind of getting on and experimenting with? Uh, I don't know. I feel you know the boards that Simon makes. Uh, 
are so unique. I've never really seen anything similar. Um, the, there are a lot of boards that I, I do see that I'm intrigued by, and you know, I feel like a lot of those sort of, I guess, 70s inspired outlines and uh, you know, those more sort of simple boards are, you know, there's a real beauty and, and art in them and, I, and the hand shape inside of things is something that I really respect and um, you know, appreciate a good looking board when I see one. Um, it's, yeah, it's, you know, you can you sort of you see, see a good looking board from, from a mile away and yeah. it's always interesting to check it out and see what people are doing. Uh, with them, so. Has Simon's business uh, increased at all wi as your profile has grown? Um, I think sort of, yeah, naturally there's been a, um, you know, Simon's a, a one-man band, he, he shapes in his little shed on the bottom of the property, um, and his whole goal was never to, you know, I think he's, it's been grow small, so he, he shapes and, and glasses and everything himself, and um, he, he definitely is, he does seem to be a bit busier. Um, I was thinking it'd be so <laughs> noticeable because he is so small that yeah. you know, an extra 10 boards would be a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's, um, he's, he's never doing it to sell out or, you know, overproduce, so it's, um, he, yeah, he, he's been, he's busy. Good, good, <laughs> I'm And the other thing is, the other thing is, that, like you said repeatedly, the boards are so unique that it's kind of like if somebody sees you ride them, they can't exactly go to their local shaper and be like, hey, replicate that, you know? So I would think it, it would be a good arrangement for him. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, closing question for Ishka is just, um, I know you guys are still touring the film and you've got to release it to the public eventually, but what's next? You got anything on the horizon? Yeah, yeah, we got a couple of... Yeah, got a couple of projects that um, we sort of need to wrap up, I guess. We did we did three months in New Zealand on motorbikes, which was sort of a follow-up to the trip we did around Australia. So we're, we're going to call that one Lost Track as well and basically try continue that as a series, you know, different, different countries and continents on different modes of transport. But... Um, yeah, we've you know we're pretty deep into the editing process with that one. Um, so yeah, we've got to wrap wrap that up hopefully in the next you know couple of months. And then we also did a trip to Iceland um, in November, and Laurie Towner came along on that one too. So did you yeah, score score waves. Um, yeah, it was fun. We got yeah one day in particular that was like you know I don't think any of us really realised quite how how good the waves could could get but it's extremely hard to like be in the right place at the right time which right. we sort of figured out right. pretty quickly um other than that um yeah we're looking to do the third lost track or start filming that probably towards the end of the year do you have a location scouted um either like you know scotland Ireland to you know down morocco west sahara sort of way or or alaska to mexico you know that one of those Amazing. two probably yeah wow yeah awesome where do you have a plan for rolling all that stuff out is it going to be again released on 
iTunes and all that? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, you know, no, nothing's locked in. We're, we're open to whatever you know happens, yeah. and we'll see. But um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to get you know someone to distribute it. Maybe um, you know, with with this one, thank you, mother. We want to keep it pretty close to us. We don't want to, you know, we because the message of the film. Sure. We don't want to sort of sell out in the way of like palming it off to someone else. We sort of want to keep it pretty close, but you know, with Lost Track, we're a little more open to distribution and everything. And the fact that it's like serialized makes sense yeah. for distribution. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. Where can I know? Do you have a release date for Thank You Mother for the internet? A lot of people have been asking me. People yeah. who couldn't make it to the screenings. Uh, we don't have a specific date, but we basically figured once we've wrapped up the tour in the states we'll probably yeah have it have it for sale online um so within a couple of weeks maybe yep, pretty much okay yeah and yeah so we've got a website sort of set up for the film which is thankyoumotherfilm.com so that sort of has all the information and and everything uh, everything will be up there and i'll keep people posted too yeah totally. on the podcast so thank you. right on dudes thank you so much thank appreciate you. it thank yeah. you yeah thank you you're welcome yeah. Again, huge thanks to Torin and Ishka and to Need Essentials for making this all happen. You can see Thank You Mother uh, in the next couple of weeks. It'll be online and available to purchase. I will definitely mention that when that happens and link to it on social media, which you can find at Surf Splendor. Make sure to share the show with friends. That's how we continue growing this show. And uh, we really appreciate you doing that. And then, of course, you can support financially at surfsplendorpodcast.com slash donate and get in on winning that Cosmic Ray surfboard. I've got photos of it on the website and, of course, on social media as well. So thanks. We appreciate it. This is, of course, David Scales for Surf Splendor with Nick Bampton providing the music bed. Get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred on. Shred on.